Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. The best podcast running the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Doug join Andrews. We discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So, unfortunately, we had a, a legend pass away recently. Antonio Inoki uh, passed away. So, uh, legend. Uh, he was uh, at one point a part of NJPW. Um, Aaron, thoughts on... Uh, yeah, uh, Antonio Noki. I know a lot of people, uh, and I feel like this might be overused, but they always say like, "Oh, he was the Hulk Hogan of the day," you know, back in the day. But uh, <laughs> Dave Meltzer created a, um, I think it was like a 300-page document uh, to immortalize <laughs> him uh, when he talked about you know all of his contributions uh, to the world of professional wrestling, but not just wrestling, but also like kind of Japan, really. Um, as you had mentioned, you know, he uh, was the first IWGP uh, heavyweight champion. He was the first Asian WWF heavyweight champion. Um, it's not officially recognized by WWE because that was during, I believe, Bob Acklin when uh, they were wrestling back and forth. And uh, there's some like weirdness with it. But uh, he founded NJPW and just uh, his contributions to the world of wrestling are um, it's like Hogan and Vince and like. Um, the rock, I mean, kind of all rolled into one. So like his passing is absolutely massive and huge. Um, he was somebody that was known throughout, throughout Japan. And I believe, I want to say he actually ran for a public office as well when he was there, but, um, yeah, he absolute like legend and giant in the business. Uh, I mean, just the fact that he was able to wrestle Muhammad Ali in a match. And I think that just goes to point and show how, how big of a star he was um, that he got to fight one of the greatest athletes probably of all time in Muhammad Ali uh, started NJPW just uh, again. It's a great loss for wrestling and uh, he will always be uh, remembered. Uh, I echo both of their thoughts. Casey certainly earned it. All right. And then, uh, you know, more sad news, uh, Sarah Lee. Um, she was a former tough enough uh, winner. Um, she was married to, uh, I think it was Wesley Blake, Wesley mm-hmm. Blake, and uh, she passed away. I don't th- know if they've ever released what happened, but uh, yeah, it was uh, just sad uh, of her passing. Uh, do you remember at all, her at all in uh, Tough Enough, Roger? I honestly, my knowledge of Tough Enough is uh, faded over the years. I remember Maven. I want to say John Morrison was on there. I do not remember Sarah Lee. Um, obviously, I remember the famous uh, whichever woman made the ridiculous comment of favorite match of all time was like Cameron versus someone, you know, some nonsense. Um, so I don't remember her. I did not know if she was with Wesley Blake. For some reason, I thought Wesley Blake was engaged to Alexa Bliss at one point. Um, maybe that was Buddy Murphy. Uh, that was yeah, Buddy and, Murphy. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, sad to hear. I don't know the circumstances. Hopefully, it wasn't suicide or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, anytime someone passes away young, and I'm assuming she was young, it's with somebody, you know, the very least in her 30s at the most, it's always a tragedy. So rest in peace as well. Uh, definitely taken away before uh, she should have been gone. But uh, again, probably a career that just didn't get started and um, probably could have used a AEW or somewhere else to 
to be built up better, uh, but she will be missed. Yeah, she was one of the uh, final Tough Enough winners, so she won with um, another guy. As we all know, a lot of Tough Enough winners tend not to pan out um, as much. There are some people from Tough Enough that do pretty well, and she was uh, the. They had a, a male and female uh, version of it, and she won the 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 female version, of course. And she, as you had mentioned, Andy was married to Wesley Blake. They had three kids, and so like, absolutely sad. Um, I think the last Instagram post that she had, she was back in the gym. She like. I don't want to say it was like COVID, but she had some sort of sickness, some illness. She said, I'm back in the gym after like being sick for so long. And then like, you know, passes away like the next day, which is just like absolutely tragic. They haven't released anything. They don't need to, you know, it's like, it's a personal situation, but I feel bad for, for Wesley. I feel bad for the kids. I mean, that's just, you know, when you have somebody taken away from you, especially when you have young children and you are very young, it's really sad. And I think about like Brody Lee, you know, when he passed and it's just like, heartbreaking to hear all right so let's move on to aew so jungle boy uh jack perry uh took took down luchasaurus uh wow so they so is this gonna be it we're not gonna have like three more matches aaron i we might have one more luchasaurus match but i think that might be it for him but we obviously have to have the christian match you know that's you know a, a foregone conclusion I would assume it would have it happen at Revolution, which I want to say is in early March uh, for 2023. I would assume that's where you do it. That's one of your marquee matches at that point. That's a match that deserves a pay-per-view spot. Uh, you know, most likely they do it there unless Christian isn't cleared. And then you do it at double or nothing, uh, you know, which would be in May. But, yeah, no, we're, we're definitely going to see uh, that that storyline has not concluded. Uh, what How much Luchasaurus is involved, who knows? But Christian is the ultimate goal. Uh, this was I'd say it's an interesting match. Um, I, I was watching the media scrum after the pay-per-view, and uh, Jungle Boy was talking about the name kind of changing and everything like that. And um, So I, I think going forward, he might be dropping the Jungle Boy pretty soon and just be going by uh, Jack Perry. Uh, but he also talked a lot about how him and uh, Luchasaurus met and how they came up in the uh, training together and everything like that. And his face just looked brutal too. So it was uh, definitely a, um, uh, I think a little bit more uh, strong styled match, I guess. Um, but uh, you know what? It, this is the conclusion of this match. It should be done and he can move on to Christian or something else now. I think this is the conclusion with the exception of whenever Christian is cleared, like, I think they'll step away from this and then come back, you know, Christian will cost jungle boy or Jack Perry, um, some sort of match. Then they'll finish it off at either revolution or double or nothing. The most curious thing for me is that like, I think it was very obvious to everyone. This is to put Jack Perry over, right? He's, he's one of the pillars. He's going to be elevated. I have no idea where Luchasaurus goes from here because to me, he works as a sidekick. He's not a feature player. He's not a guy I'd put a title on. He's not a guy I'd build around. And with him not being kind of the partner of Jungle Boy, I don't like, I feel like he's a guy who's now just going to flounder. Like he's a another Lance Archer. He's a big guy that you can put over people with, but I don't see a role for him. So, you know, good for Jack Perry. But I think the best play for Luchasaurus is down the road. He needs to reunite with Jungle Boy because I don't see much of a future otherwise. Yeah, I do agree with that. I think that's going to be the uh, the tough part because Jack Perry will survive. I, I Luchasaurus was the one that I was uh, concerned about in the tag team. Um, he was definitely the Marty Jannetty of the team. 
Um, so uh, another thing. <laughs> uh, so Jericho, he's still your Ring of Honor champion. Uh, there, he's. I'm surprised that he he held on um, at full gear, but like, you know, Roger, do you think that it's it's time that he stays the champion, or do you think uh, maybe they should focus only AEW stuff opposed to having him come out with a new with another belt? There's a lot of frustration I keep reading online about all the Ring of Honor stuff. I'm not one of those people. I, I think this is actually a perfect use of Jericho and the Ring of Honor title. It, it, you know, I don't have a problem with those titles. I like Garcia with the pure title. I like Jericho with the Ring of Honor title. Ultimately, the endgame goal should be to get Ring of Honor its own TV slot. And having Jericho wrestle on that first show, and maybe that's going to you crown a new champion, is fine by me. But I, I think more titles with more stories and more things to do is good because – you want things for people to do. The crowd obviously cares about this title. There's a history and there's a lineage, so I don't really have a problem with it. I think it's a good use of Jericho. It's not like I want Jericho wrestling for the AEW titles, but him being the ROH champion, it makes sense to me. And as long as you actually find a way to get Sammy, Sammy's an interesting case because he's good in the ring. The problem with Sammy has nothing to do with his in-ring ability. It's it's his persona, his lack of a face character, and he's just a moron outside of the ring. But, you know, this is a way to ideally get some of these younger people more time, you know, Claudio and, and Danielson, you know, not that he's a young guy, but getting them more stories without having to involve them in necessarily the big titles. I think it's a good thing. I think it puts a big emphasis with having, you know, have uh, Claudio and Brian in uh, ring of honor championship matches kind of elevates the title uh, a lot. Uh, Jericho obviously holding it is a huge uh, bump for it. I think you have him still go through a bunch of Ring of Honor champions, and I would agree that once they finally do get a TV deal or figure out what they're going to do with uh, Ring of Honor for uh, just to showcase it, uh, save it for the first main event of the Ring of Honor era. Uh, so I have no problem with this, and I think it you know, can also be kind of a great way to have Jericho showcase against a lot of people that... Uh, you know, he hasn't faced yet and kind of do a, a I don't want to say a farewell tour, but a, a highlights tour of him versus previous champions to uh, definitely get some of those dream matches done. All right. So um, let's. Uh, yeah. And Jericho, if that's what they're going to do with him, just so he'd be the champion, he'd be the face of Ring of Honor. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's a great idea. Um, the, the other thing is that um, Samoa Joe is. Uh, well, the um, he's a champion of all TVs. Is that right, Aaron? Yeah, he's uh, the TNT champion and he's the TV champion. So um, he's going to get the ABC and the USA title here pretty soon is what I hear. Yeah, I, I hear uh, it's coming quickly. Yeah. Uh, so Samojo turned tweener, I guess you would say, uh, you know, a few weeks ago because uh, him and Powerhouse Hobbs, he wasn't a fan of his, who's the heel. And Wardlow, he was getting pretty annoyed with him, who was the face. And they had a triple threat, which it was a good setup. The storyline going into it uh, made a lot of sense, which I like. I like when they have storylines that make sense. They're not just thrown together uh, at a pay-per-view. Uh, I, none of us in our pickums picked Samoa Joe. And I, I was kind of shocked that he was the one that won, you know. Um, but, I mean, good for him. You know, I, I think it's kind of cool. I like having dual champions. I think that it makes that interesting, especially when it's for the lesser titles. If you have, you know, uh, like back in the day when you had the European and the Intercontinental, I thought that was kind of cool. I liked seeing, you know, uh, somebody hold both those titles. Uh, and with the tag team, I like that too. I actually think that's neat, so long as it's not for an entire year, you know, but if it's for the storyline purpose, I, I, I like that. 
uh, Joe is, you know, he's going to lose the title at some point, you know, he's going to have to defend, you know, and so, uh, you know, we're going to see, you know, him and Wardlow, they, their feud isn't done yet. And, you know, the match was fine. You know, it was a good uh, triple threat match. And uh, Joe is, uh, you know, uh, Joe's Joe. Joe's Joe's awesome. So uh, didn't mind him getting the title here. Uh, I was the only one that picked Hobbs to win. And I thought that that was just something that uh, uh, could be a good way of getting Wardlow to lose the title without actually losing the match. Get Hobbs to kind of have a chance at a title and see what he can do with it. Uh, and then you could continue the feud between um, Joe and Wardlow, but I, I don't mind this either. I'm a, I'm a fan of Joe and I think he can do amazing things and he can elevate titles and he can elevate people. And I have no problem with him winning the title at all. My love for Samoa Joe is well known. So of course I'm extremely excited for Joe to get that title. I don't know if I love him as much as that fan at NST down. <laughs> um, one thing I will say, and they show this in the, I don't know if they showed in the video package, but he did a promo on Wednesday with Tony Schiavone. And he referenced the old promo with Paul Heyman. And I'm not going to lie, I got giddy. When he talked about how he reminded him of an old colleague with Paul um, that he used to know, and he hopes that this one goes better. I was like, is Tony Schiavone about to get choked unconscious? Um, look, I love the idea of Joe as champion. I think he's a smart TNT champion. He can build up the next guy, whether that be someone like a Jungle Boy Jack Perry, or you know, if you want to go back to Darby or whatever. This also moves Wardlow away from the mid-card championship, and he can start to move into some higher profile feuds because right now he's really only had one and that was with MJF. So I think it's, it's a good way of keeping him strong without having to uh, do like a screwy finish because the triple threat made sense. So I have no problem with it. Like the way they did it. Um, Aaron, I think you said he's a tweener. I think he's a full blown heel, but the thing I like about AEW is that heels don't necessarily like each other just because you're a heel doesn't mean I like you if I'm a heel. So I, I think he's a true hundred percent heel. He just happens to also not like another heel and that's fine. That's the way it should be. Yeah, I, I do like what they're doing with Joe. And uh, yes, that NXT fan, um, I will never forget him. Ever. And every time I hear his music, I still think the same thing. Um, speaking of uh, haters are going to hate, they can't hate Jamie Hater right now because she is your new interim AEW Women's Champion. Super happy about it. But um, Roger, I'm, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the fact that it's still an interim? Why don't they just make it so it's the champion? That's an excellent question. I hate the interim title. I think it's stupid. I think it's dumb. I think it's pointless. If you want to keep the injured champion relevant, all it should be is when you forfeit the title, I am handing you an immediate number one contendership. When you come back, you get a title shot whenever you're ready, whether it's a month from now or a year from now, but it should not be an interim championship. And if, and if a sneaky heel wants to cash it in like money in the bank style, have no problem with it. But Thunder Rosa hasn't been around since before all out. Why are we having interim champion for two to three months? That's silly. She's gone. That last night, Jamie Hader should have been crowned the AEW world's champion. And then when Thunder Rosa comes back, she immediately says, I'm staking my claim as the champion. And that's it. The idea of an interim championship is just stupid to me. There's just no need. You get 30 days. You can't defend it. You relinquish the title. goes to the next person. Problem solved. Uh, I have no problem with the interim title until you get to this point where I will agree with everybody else that Jamie Hader should have been just named the AEW women's champion. And that's what this match should have been for is just, this is Tony storm versus Jamie Hader for the title and no interim. Uh, I could see them maybe doing that a little bit later down the line. Um, but hopefully not too much longer. Uh, I just, I'm going to say this here. I, I had the only issue I had with this pay-per-view was 
every heel win for a championship, nobody could win clean or or anything along those lines. Everything was a using of a weapon or outside interference. Did Joe win dirty? I thought he just chucked Hobbs out. He hit him over. He hit Wardlow over the head with the belt and then choked him out. Did he choke Wardlow out? He choked no, he choked out Hobbs. Okay, gotcha. So it was, it was like kind of dirty, but not like interference. It's just more he capitalized. Right. But, you know, you, you could say the same thing. He knocks somebody out, and then all of a sudden uh, you do that. You got uh, the, uh, the, the triple threat match. Or not the, the – what do they call that? The triple tag? The, are you talking the about trios. Six man the trios tag match. Yeah. Uh, same thing. Jericho, same thing. Um, Did Jericho win dirty? Mm-hmm. I thought he just won with a Judas effect. No, I'm pretty sure he uh, also had some kind of weapon used first and then. Because I thought Claudio was swinging Sammy and then he came in and Judas effect him. And then he hit him with the second Judas effect. I don't actually think he cheated. I think he just stole one. Okay. Then he, then he, he, then he might have been the only one. But it, it just seemed Jericho like a very running, uh, a very uh, common theme for every heel to not necessarily win clean. So I, I just don't like that. I think you need to have some heels win clean. I think Jamie should have been the one that did it uh, because I think she does deserve it. And I don't think you want to have it say that, you know, uh, I, I would love to say that, you know, she won it without Britt's help because now that's going to be the storyline is, oh, you only won it because I, I helped you. And, and and I get it. But at the same time, I want to see Jamie uh, succeed on her own. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Doug, um, for the interim. Like, I would say, like, the lesser titles defended within 30 days or forfeit and like the world 60 days or forfeit. And like if somebody's injured, you know, like the CM Punk situation, it was a like, hey, he's he's going to be out for three months. I was like, OK, you probably still should have just taken the title off of him. But I get the I the thought there. And the same thing with Thunder Rosa. If it's like, hey, she's going to be out for 90 days. All right. That's fine. Like, you know, maybe do the interim at that point. But realistically, if it's if you if it's a even in question that it's going to be over 90 days, like take the title off her. There's no need to do it. Injuries happen. We know this. And I think that it, it um, kind of negates Tony Storm's run because she was never the champion, you know, and, and Jamie Hayter is not the champion. And who knows when when Thunder Rose is going to be back? Are you going to have an interim champion for six months? That's kind of stupid. Like, I mean, like, I, I, in my opinion, I just think it's kind of dumb. And the problem is when you when you do it, you know, you're kind of painted yourself into this corner. And Doug, I like your idea. Now you said, like, this this match should have been Thunder Rosa may out longer than we thought. So this is going to be the match for the real women's title. Thunder Rosa can have a one, number one contender spot when she gets back. You know, I mean, that's that's the route I would have gone down. Uh, kudos to Jamie Hayter. Glad that she won the title. Uh, you know, hopefully this leads to some good storylines for the women's division. What were your guys' thoughts on the match itself? I didn't think it was horrible, but it, I was. I don't know if there really was a match on this card that made me jump. Aaron? I, I will say, uh, so uh, Doug, Andy, and I got together um, to watch this in person, which is fun to be able to actually do that on a Saturday. That's why I love the Saturday pay-per-views. Um, you know, I from what I remember of seeing the match, I thought it was fine. You know, I was like, this is probably the best women's match on the TV, on the pay-per-view. Yeah, I think it was the best women's yeah. match. 
Yeah. Uh, it's, so I actually really liked the match. Um, the only part I didn't like was the interference. I didn't want Brit to be there. I didn't want Rebel to be there. I also thought there was a point where they were booking Tony almost too strong. Like she just started kicking out of literally everything. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Like, uh, this is kind of like Rocket 17, where all of a sudden he's stunner, stunner, stunner. Okay, so is he Superman? Are you going to have to kill him to beat him? And it was like, if she didn't win, I thought the crowd would have turned on Tony Storm. Now, mm-hmm. in defeat, I think Tony Storm looked very strong and valiant, and she's certainly deserving of a rematch. But had she won, I don't think the reaction would have been nearly as good as Hater finally putting her down with a Rainmaker, which, you know, well deserved pop, but I would have preferred Rebel and Brit not be out there because. Brit's formula has been the JBL formula. And I didn't like it when JBL did it, and I don't like it when Brit does it. I'd rather just watch Hater win clean and be like, I didn't actually need you, and then there's your actual feud between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the ending there, I remember thinking like, what are they doing? And then when Jamie or when uh, Tony Storm did her finisher, I was like, she has to kick out. If she does not kick out of this, like, you completely ruin Jamie Hater's character, you know, in, in my opinion. So, yeah, I agree with you, uh, Andy. Your favorite team of all time the acclaimed because you're not a cop. Um, they retain the tag titles. Uh, what were your thoughts? I mean, like I think of all the matches in the card, we were probably like 99% certain the acclaimed was going to win, but what were your thoughts of the match and some of the, uh, aftermath situation? Well, uh, I, I mean the match itself I thought was really good. Um, I had no complaints with it. Um, you know, uh, Billy Gunn uh, did make his appearance, uh, even though he's having some issues scissoring because of his fingers, but you know, he'll, he'll be all right. He'll be back. Um, but, uh, I think the biggest news was the fact that, that Keith Lee just like flat out slapped swerve. And I can't believe that. Like, I was shocked that they swerve slapped. Swerve slapped. I'm sorry. My bad. Swerve slapped Keith Lee. My bad. If Keith Lee had slapped swerve, swerve would have gone flying. Swerve would still be, uh, in the air. Yes. Uh, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. So yeah, he slapped him and then Lee left. So of course, you know, they came by claim one, two, three. So your champions, I thought it was a just overall great. Uh, and I, and now with the fact that you have swerve and Keith Lee, who are going to have their blow off feud here. Um, I, I, I just see the sky's the limit for those guys. Um, Keith Lee's going to be, a, he's going to be a main eventer. He just has that look and, um, I, I just think, I just know that he can pull it off. He, he was going to pull it off in WWE, but then they, Vince is like, Ooh, I didn't find this guy. So, but yeah. Um, so, so Aaron, do you, I mean, what do you think about the fact, uh, about the acclaim retaining at a uh, full gear? Yeah, it makes sense. I, my question is going to be this. The acclaimed is a very over face team right now. And the number one contenders is FTR, who's an over-face team. But, like, I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, what what crowd, what the crowd would choose if it's FTR versus the Acclaimed, you know? So I almost wondered, does the Acclaimed lose to, like, and I hate to throw this out there, I really hate to, do they, like, lose the tag titles of the Gun Club to get heel heat, like, massive heel heat on them? Because, like, I, I hate to say it, but that's a downgrade. Like, that's a big downgrade. That's going from, like, an A minus team to like a D plus only to lose to an A plus team. Right. Like, and I almost feel like that's, that's what you do. And that's like, I hate to say that. I hate to like put that out in the universe, but I feel like the gun club might win the AEW tag titles. So what you're stating, it's like going from 
Oh, uh, I don't know. A Nintendo Switch to a Virtual Boy? I mean, like, yeah. All right. And, and with no no Wario on there either. Like, you know, I'm talking like only, you know, like Waterworld. That's it. It's not a good game. Andy, it'd be like going from Triple H's champion to Jinder Mahal's champion. Like, you're going <laughs> from an A plus to an F minus, and you just don't want to do that. Now, I will say this. I actually think there's a logical story in the ass boys winning the championship, being that daddy ass is, of course, with the acclaimed. You've got the club. I wouldn't give them a long reign. Like, their reign should probably be four weeks at most, and then you have FTR take it and unify all the titles. And that's great. I have no problem with that. But I would not put the acclaimed and FTR against one another because I think you don't want the crowd to turn on either one of them. And, you know, some reigns can be short transitional. That's fine. You know, you don't need everything to be a six-month-long epic. Some of them can be three to four weeks. No problem with that. This match itself, I loved it. It was great. I'm glad Keith Lee and Swerve split. The acclaimed are over. You know, I mean, they're probably the most over tag team in the company besides FTR. So I have zero issues with this match. Loved it. You could watch these two teams fight all day long. Now, I guess the the the, the big news was, uh, of course, what happened with MJF and uh, John Moxley for the main event. Um, you know, I guess I'm more curious, uh, Roger, did you like how they how this entire match happened on like the setup and like the ending of it? I did. I, I think Regal did a good job of selling like he never really said that he was disgusted with MJF. He basically was disappointed in him, kind of like how a father says, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Like all of the stories that they told, all of the things that they did was basically I've been a villain a long time. You've never really shown me that you're a true villain. I, I thought Regal was selling it well enough where I was kind of like, I think he's going to turn on Mox. Also, look, as Mox said, I think the night after All Out, I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be on vacation. So the man has earned a well, well-earned vacation. It's time for MJF to take the reins. Let Mox take six months off because after what he put his body through, basically because Punk couldn't keep himself healthy, I had no problem with this. I'm curious to see where the club goes, the Blackpool Combat Club, since Blackpool has essentially left. But MJF should have won this. I like that he won it dirty. He didn't use the ring, which is all he said he would do. He even admitted he was going to cheat. You know, uh, while MJF doesn't need Regal, Punk didn't need Heyman. And yet Punk and Heyman together were still gold because both of them can talk and they're both going to play off each other very well. It'll be very entertaining. I think MJF should have a very long reign. Like if he's not champion for a full year, this was a mistake. And this was the time to pull the trigger. I'm glad he won. There's a lot of people, a lot of people that MJF can feud with, and he should. So, you know, good match. I wouldn't call this an all-time classic match. I would just call this a solid match. But it did the job. It, it got MJF over. He beat Mox. There's only three people that I can think of truly legitimately beat Mox. I guess you can throw Omega in there if you want to. So, you know, three or four. That's that's a pretty exclusive club. So I had no problem with what happened out of this. Another good match. Uh, like Roger said, it was solid. Um, I, I still would have... I, 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 I don't know. I still think that this could have been another one where the heel won clean and I'd been happier um, just to give MJF that much more like a, I don't know. I don't necessarily like the idea of Regal assisting him for the win, <clears throat> but you know, I, I will, uh, I guess I'm just going to wait until later to see how it all pans out. Let it all just, just trust that the story is going to work and that everything's going to be okay. Um, and it'll all make sense later. But um, Moxley does deserve a break for everything that he's done. Uh, and I'm excited to see what MJF can do with the title. Um, 
<laughs> if you didn't see the media scrum, it was a little hard to hear him because he didn't, he refused to even sit. He just comes out, screams at everybody, and then leaves. So that was interesting. Uh, but uh, I think it'll be an entertaining run, and I hope it is a a good and successful run for uh, MJF. Yeah, I definitely echo your guys' thoughts. And, you know, to Roger's point, like a year-long run, that'd be awesome because there are so many people that he can feud with. You know, uh, we were talking about earlier, Wardlow. Wardlow dominated MJF. He absolutely eviscerated him. You could have a very easy redemption arc with that, you know, maybe at double or nothing. You know, you can, like, have Wardlow MJF as the main event, and that's a match people are going to want to see. Like, that that's writes itself. You literally don't have to do anything else. And at uh, um, uh, uh, Revolution, you could do, like, Adam Page. You know, that's another one, like, very easy. You could have Adam Page for that one. Warlow for the next one. You can have Omega in there somewhere. You have a yeah. lot of folks. Uh, Darby Allen, yeah. Darby Allen's another good one. Uh, there's so many dance partners for MJF. And he can he, run through all the pillars. He could, yeah. And that'd be a good storyline, too. Like, that'd be a great storyline. He's uh, the last one to get gold, too. He's the he's the last one to get a championship with the four pillars, but he's the first one to get the big title. Yeah, he could go through all of them, including Brett Baker. That'd be amazing, you know? Um <laughs> Call back. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I like MJF. I like his character. I like that he he plays the character on Twitter, you know, in everyday life. That's something that we don't see anymore. Last one was really like The Undertaker. So MJF doing that, I absolutely love. I wish more people would, would do that. They'd play it their character, you know, everywhere. So um, excited to see where this goes. I think that next time we record... There's going to be so much more that's going to happen with MJF uh, and can't wait to do that. All right. So let's uh, let's talk some WWE stuff. Uh, nothing really has happened recently. Uh, just uh, unless you're not feeling a little oozy, then things have uh, not been happening for you. So let's just talk about that. So Roman Roman Reigns. I mean, there's so many things going on with this bloodline. I mean, you got sammy and you have the usos and sammy who i swear gets paid a thousand dollars every time he makes one of the usos break um just everything about this storyline is just cracking me up uh so roger what do you think about the whole thing with uh, the bloodline i love when the internet's wrong it's one of my favorite things to do to enjoy when everyone's like you guys just think turning everyone heel is not going to solve the problems yet i'm pretty sure years ago we said if you turned roman reigns heel it would solve all of his problems the man looks like Scar, the man wrestles like a heel, he trash talks, and he gets heel heat better than pretty much anyone in the company. They turned him heel, and at first it was a little rocky, and then they kind of figured out what he should be. And this is exactly what he should be. This bloodline story has been hilarious. It, Roman Reigns looks like a mafia boss. He's clearly the most dominant superstar in the company. He's got this infighting with the family. Sami Zayn is perfect. I mean, he is definitely that crazy guy that who's the most scary of any gang because he obviously did something to impress the scary guys. I love the fact that I think it's Jey Uso who cannot stand him, but Jimmy likes him. So there's a real life dynamic. I love that Roman seems to really trust Sami Zayn and, and even threaten to give him the last name of Uso. And we're going to do about it. I love that Jay said, I don't care what Roman thinks. So like there's layers to it. It's interesting. That's just smart. And you know what? Look, I don't love the fact that I think Roman's going on is it two years as champion now. I think at SummerSlam, he passed two years. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of those long title runs, but whatever. Like it, it's working for them. It's the big money thing. We'll see what happens with the Rumble. We'll see what happens with Manny as far as, you know, at some point, someone's got to beat him because um, you can't just have him be champion forever, I think. But 
right now, best thing going in WWE. I'm 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 for once. I'm curious to see how the storyline plays out, and not in a oh how are they going to screw this up, but more in a oh I wonder how this ends. And that's what I want in story. I mean, this reminds me more of how I wanted to see how NXT storylines end as opposed to WWE, and I'd just be like, this is going to be a disaster. Let's see how this car wreck finishes out. Uh, I will say that this has been a wonderful little saga. Uh, definitely the best run of Roman Reigns' career. Uh, Sammy is just, uh, I think you can see how, uh, how over he is and the fact that he, he does not get to go on the Saudi Arabia show because of his ancestry. Yet there was chance for Sammy in the Saudi crowd. So that just kind of really shows you how over he is that, you know, he can be a, uh, a not welcome character, uh, for political reasons, but at the same time, people still want to see him. So I, I think this is a wonderful storyline for him, and it's got a lot of uh, potential to go forward. And I just wait for the eventual WWE to screw it up. If Vince was in charge, you know this would be screwed up, right? Actually, I don't even think it would have gotten to this point because he would have been like, he would have said, Sammy, I don't get the Usi thing. I just don't get it. That and burritos. I, I will say I do like the fact that he is trying to break them, but he's not overtly doing it like he's doing it within character, within the storyline. And to see the reaction that both of them had in that segment, all three of them, you know, uh, Sammy, Jimmy and uh, Roman was amazing. Like that was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Paul Hammond couldn't keep straight face. And, and like they're professionals where they deal and like they are very like stone cold, like, you know, not, not stone cold. You know, what I mean, uh, they're they're very straight laced. And so that, that was great. My biggest complaint, though, as Roger had said, two years now with one title, almost a full year with the other title. That is really frustrating to me as a fan, because I, I really wish and this is what I, I Drew McIntyre should have taken a title off of Roman at the Cardiff show, in my opinion. I get what they're saying. They want to make Roman this big, unbeatable boss, but he has both titles. Get ri- He doesn't need both of them. He only needs the one to say he's had the SmackDown title for two and a half years. That's a big thing. They don't have to have the, the both those titles. What's he going to do next? Go for the U.S. and the IC? It makes the story kind of boring. And my biggest complaint, I will say, is if I watch SmackDown, and I watch it in, uh, you know, October, November, September, December, it doesn't matter when it feels kind of like the same show and that sucks. And that's not what you want. You don't want to say like, Hey, I don't have to watch this week's show. Cause I can watch next week's or I can watch in two weeks from now. Whereas, you know, AEW and like, there are some criticisms I definitely have for them. At least on Wednesdays, I know I'm getting a different show. You know, I'm not getting the exact same thing over and over again. So that's my biggest criticism with this. You know, I'm really happy that Triple H did something with Survivor Series because I'm not going to lie. Survivor Series has sucked for a number of years. Nothing special. No outcome. The fact that they made it War Games, that's a big deal. And the fact that that's going to be happening, we're going to see, I think, uh, and I'm glad how they did this because you've had guys who have been in War Games when they were in NXT. You put them in with WWE guys. So they can explain or like, hey, this is what we had to do and go and kind of talk it out with them. I think it's going to be great because then you're going to see it for a number of years. War Games again, two rings. That's a big deal. It's not going to be World War Three like WCW did because that's 
three rings is too many and there's not that many rest well i guess WWE does but um anyways uh going on to the fact that they're doing the war games we're gonna have the bloodline taking on the brawling brutes uh of course we have kevin kevin owens in there and uh uh who, who else was drew mcintyre drew mcintyre they get added awesome and i like the fact that bianca and her friends are taking on damage control um again those ladies a lot of them have been in a war games match already so um, I think it's going to be very impressive to actually bring it to the WWE uh, crowd. So, you know, Aaron, I, I'm curious, like, what do, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about the the change that they finally went with? I, I like it. Survivor Series. Many years ago, they would do a thing where the surviving members would have a, a battle royal at the end, and then there'd be a winner of some sort. And it was like, I think they got a shot at the title, maybe, or something like that. I kind of get it, but like, that's a little convoluted. War Games makes sense. It's Survivor Series, you know, like War Games. Triple H loves history. That's one of the things I love about him. Like, he he really appreciates the history of things. And so to have War Games in there is going to be amazing. I do want to just touch on one small point, Andy. World War Three. Back in the day, I remember thinking, oh, this is so cool because it's three rings and 60 men. If you ever watch any of those now, it is god-awful. It is, it is, it is just terrible. Like you're watching and you're just like, I can just fast forward so far into this. It is just, it is, it is dog crap. Andy never watch world war three for WCW. Sound like a good idea. Absolutely terrible. Is it worse than the triple cage? I love the triple cage. I don't care. I love it. World war three though. Mm-mm. I'm excited for uh, war games. Uh, I really enjoyed it when we got to go see it together. Um, it gives it a new spice for the uh, Survivor Series aspect, but uh, I will say that I absolutely love the Survivor Series concept of just the the teams all going at it, and there was always storylines to have multiple teams and why you had them. Um, I, I kind of missed the traditional Survivor Series. I didn't need a, a brawl for all at the end, but I, I truly did enjoy it. I think there's a lot of storylines that you can set up through those types of matches, so I think those will be missed. I hope they do at least one traditional Survivor Series match. Um, but having War Games there is it's understandable and it's definitely new and exciting. I um uh, it's interesting because when the Survivor Series match was done well, it was great. But it was like one good match for 10 crappy matches. Um, so many of them were forgettable. Some of them were booked badly. I mean, gosh, the amount of times they've done the stupid 5-0 sweep, it, you know, like they're just predictable. Um, and War Games is new and is exciting. Survivor Series just feels tailor-made for War Games. Like Aaron said, I love that Hunter is a huge fan of history because instead of just the – I hated the brand warfare. There was nothing more annoying to me than somebody pledging allegiance to a show that they'd been on for like three months and, oh, yeah, I'm fighting valiantly for Raw. It's like, okay, literally nine of you were on the opposite brand last year. Like I don't think any of you really care that much. Your paycheck doesn't change. Um, but War Games, this actually feels like there's a story. The Bloodline is a story. They've had a feud with the Brutes. They've had a feud uh, with uh, McIntyre. So it's like these things actually, it feels like they're going to actually go to war. And then on the women's side, you've got uh, Damage Control. Is it Damage Control and Rhea Ripley, I want to say? And then, because who's the fifth? Damage Control, Nikki Cross. Um and Rhea Ripley, and then you've got To Be Determined, who I think is Becky Lynch. Just I'm throwing that out there right now. I think this is when she returns um, because she was taken out by Damage Control, I believe, the night after SummerSlam. So if she's ready, this is a good night for her to come back. 
But yeah, I mean, War Games has worked in the NXT level. I think it's going to work at the WWE level. It feels important. It gives the women a spotlight. This, and this is also something you can do without the championships needing to be involved, and it still feels like a big deal, which is something WWE has struggled with for years. So I'm excited for it. I'm certainly going to watch this weekend, which is very unique for me with WWE pay-per-views lately. So they got my attention, and I think that's all you can hope for. You know, Roger, I do have a question for you, though. With uh, do you like so far what Aaron's favorite wrestler of all time has been doing with the booking for WWE? Uh, I'm more curious on um, at least do you, do you actually see a, a a direction that they're going? Yeah, I mean, I no secret, I loved Hunter running NXT. It's one of my favorite periods in wrestling history. You know, the Attitude Era had great moments, but if you if you honestly watch it with a critical eye, most of the wrestling sucked. Like just to be quite honest, it was the cool moments and Austin being Austin and DX and all of the things that we can talk about. The wrestling was subpar, and I'm saying that generously, other than a few people who in and out there were good. It was mostly crap. That golden era of NXT, right, that kind of the takeover era was great. You had good storylines. You had good wrestling. You had good characters. And he's kind of bringing that philosophy up to that main roster. And, you know, I think we said this after SummerSlam. This is the first time in which I see someone on the Raw or SmackDown roster and don't think, oh, crap, they're screwed. I no longer believe that they're doomed to irrelevancy if they're not almost sized. I no longer think that the women are going to get just shoved into these back feuds. And and it feels like he is moving things in the correct direction. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think everything has been solved. I think that's going to be like the post-WrestleMania reset because there are still storylines in play. But I'm hoping that when we get to April that you really see Hunter stamp on things and you really get the like, oh, this is the kind of show that I can watch. Raw, sorry, three hours will never be okay for me. I'm just not going to watch that on a weekly basis. But SmackDown, if Raw ever went to two hours, great. That's what I want. NXT you know, is what it is. That's the past. But the direction he's going is the way I want wrestling to go. And so I think it's been so far, you know, I watched Extreme Rules. I think it was six matches on the card. That's a good pay-per-view to me. That's a takeover. That's what I enjoy. Six quality matches. Keep it short and sweet. No problem with that at all. Yeah, and you're not overloading it with like 14 matches. You just have like, hey, let's have these six matches, you know, because we have three hours. You know, in TakeOver, two and a half hours, they had five matches. They gave them pretty much everyone 30 minutes, which is unheard of. So when you got to see basically a guy that you're like, oh, here's a pay-per-view match. If he's on the main roster, this is a five-minute match, curtain and curtain. Um, except that, hey, we're going to give you 25 minutes. Oh, really? Oh, what am I supposed to do? Oh, okay. So I, that that part, I I do like that. And I also like the fact that it feels like the show um, – I'll have Raw in the background when I'm doing homework, and it just feels like it's flowing properly opposed to like – it's not like jumping all around. I mean, like uh, like Doug, I mean, like do you think that's like the what, what Triple H is trying to do here? Is he trying to make it basically just a, a good flow show so you don't have that opportunity to change channel? Not exactly sure. Um I, I'm. I mean, I'm. I am more interested in seeing WWE now that he is in control. But at the same time, I just, I, I they've got to make up for a lot of uh, screwed up storylines and messed up people and everything like that before they get my full interest back. And and Aaron, uh, your favorite wrestler of all time? It's well documented. My uh, hate, my absolute hatred for 2002, 2003 Triple H. Uh, just. Could not stand him, but uh, as a behind the scenes, I mean, absolutely amazing. Like the work he did at NXT, tremendous. I think that way he's doing with WWE right now is also going to be really good. I'm looking forward to Survivor Series. I'm looking forward to the Royal Rumble. 
WrestleMania, all that is going to be great. And if it was in the area, I would definitely go to it. You know, I'm more interested in going to a pay-per-view. I don't think I'm as interested in going to a show like a Raw or SmackDown if it was in the area, just because I feel like it's same old, same old. But if it's a pay-per-view, I would legitimately be, you know, it'd be like, hey, what are you guys doing? Do you want to come on, you know, and then go to a show? I'd be more interested in that. So um, I like the direction that it's going. Let's give it a little bit more time. Survivor Series will be telling uh, the Royal Rumble will be telling, and then obviously WrestleMania, and that's gonna we'll see the direction of the company after that. If WrestleMania leaves on a high note, I think that we're gonna all be really excited when we do our show and we we talk about it. Uh, otherwise, I think it's just gonna be like, yeah, still three hours raw, still tours SmackDown, a lot of wrestling. Yeah, three hours. I think eventually they'll switch it to two, but I think they'll have something where it's gonna be online. I, I think that's going to be the. I think they may do something really weird where they where it's like seven thirty to something, where you have like thirty minutes on YouTube, two hours on you know USA, and then like an hour on the network or something like that. I think that's what they'll end up doing. But you know, couldn't they just do an hour kickoff show every week? Yeah, I think I think they are doing a kick. They were doing it again. I don't know if they continue because uh, that gets really old real fast. Because, I mean, like, you know, like you, you watch Sunday Night Football, there's an hour lead in, right? Where the people are talking about the matches, you talk about pay-per-views. Just do that if you really need three hours of content. The first hour should just be the lead in and the kickoff. And then we actually start raw. At, I think it starts at eight. So you start at nine o'clock, you go nine to 11. Boom, you're golden. Three hours of actual wrestling, though, that only works for a pay-per-view. You can't do 52 mm-hmm. pay-per-views. It's just it's too much. All right. So, hey, let's thank our sponsor, HostGator. Are you a blogger or podcaster? Or you're just not happy with your web hosts? You need to check out HostGator.com. You're going to find web hosting made easy and affordable. HostGator offers unlimited space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click strippers folder, freezeability, hands on the best control panel out there. Stop by today and try a free demo so easy is. And if you use special coupon code off the mark, you're going to save 25% off your web hosting packages. So what do you got to lose? Check out HostGator. Come and take a bite of your web host costs. Also, make sure you check out 66's off the mark page. Click on the banner tab to say big on items from dvshop.com. So let's get just get right into it. Our monthly topic is going to be the legacy of CM Punk. Um, I mean, there's uh, so many memories. I think we all have of CM Punk over the years. Uh, of course, uh, Doug got to see him uh, basically with the heist of the not the heist of the century, but basically he CM Punk walked away as a, a quote unquote free agent uh, with a belt. Um, he actually got to see that he was there for that, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and, and so I mean, like, just do you think, especially what was happened with AEW? Does that tarnish like what you remember or those memories of that area era punk? No, uh, I think you just you just go along with the roller coaster. You know, the highs are the highs, and you enjoy it. And then the lows, just uh, I mean, it's unfortunate, but uh, it's all part of those the same ride. So uh, you enjoy it when it when you can. You you get the thrill of it and. Uh, I think I'll always remember being there and the, the the feeling that I had when he won and walked away with it and everything else and just the amazing amazing uh, aspect of being in the crowd and 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 just the the joy and excitement I had for that night uh, will always be there and I'll always cherish that memory. But it, it it's just so sad to to think that I'm probably not going to get to have anything match up with his career. Uh, like that ever again uh so it, but whatever it 
A lot of potential gone, uh, but at the same time, uh, good riddance. Are we going to start comparing uh, CM Punk to Teddy Hart? <laughs> just, just curious. All right. No, I, no, I think Teddy Hart. Teddy Hart burned every bridge he could. Even he was CM Punk. <laughs> yeah, CM Punk was a bigger star. That's I think that's the big thing. Like Teddy Hart burned bridges. CM Punk burned bridges. But Punk drew a lot of money. I don't know how much money Teddy Hart drew. Seven dollars. Maybe he stole some. I don't know. But all right. So. Uh, I knew of CM Punk way back in the day. I worked uh, retail with a guy who was part of CM Punk's crew. And it was it was interesting. It was like, oh, like, here's an indie star. It was back in the day. This is like 2004-ish, I want to say. And he's like, I have a VHS tape of us wrestling in a backyard at a, um, it was a baseball stadium. It was like a, a, you know, a small baseball stadium. They have a, a ring set up and everything. I got a chance to see CM Punk like on a VHS tape, like trick tape, you know, crazy. And the first time I was exposed to him and you hear him on the mic. I mean, he is, you know, when this is in his hands, it's a pipe bomb. You know, I mean, it's, it's the most important thing in the world. And, you know, to see his rise and to see like it kind of taken away from him. And obviously in 2011, I envy Doug so much. Like there, there's there, you know, Doug's gone to a lot of shows that I haven't gone to. And a lot of them are really cool. Seeing AJ Styles. I would love to have seen AJ Styles. I think 2011 Money in the Bank is the thing that I, I mean, like off the top of my head, I'm sure there's others, but like, that's probably my number one thing I wish I could have seen in person is 2011 Money in the Bank, because just to see what happened in that arena, like it was, it was magical, you know, like just to see it like on pay-per-view. So, um, you know, CM Punk's run was tremendous what he did in WWE. And then he had the fall from grace. And there was a lot of stuff that came out from that where you go, okay, you know what? WWE's in the wrong, and they probably are in the wrong with a lot of things in general. But nowadays you're thinking like maybe, you know, it's like a 50-50 in terms of like who was right and who was wrong. You know, like 50-50 for responsibility there. And to see what happened in AEW, we were so excited to see him come back. I was very lucky enough to be at that show to watch him return. And I was so excited for that. And I saw, you know, uh, Doug, Andy, and I were able to see CM Punk MJF uh, square off on the mic a year ago. That was insane. And I, I got to see some really big moments. Uh, and actually, Doug and I got to see CM Punk's last match as well. So mm-hmm. there's that that moment, too. Um, you know, I, but like you see that stuff and it's like, man, this this is tremendous. But you just. When like you got to be able to get out of your own way. And I don't know if CM Punk is believing his own hype. I don't know if it's a case of he was burned as a child by his family and friends. And so he just doesn't trust anybody. And because of that, he just he puts up so many barriers. Like guy needs to be in therapy. Like, you know, let's just call it what it is. But tremendous talent. But the type of guy where you go, you know what? If I'm running an EFED, you're gonna do great in it. But if I'm running an actual federation, I, I can't have you in the locker room. I just, I just can't because you're going to be a cancer on that locker room. So what, what what do you think about like CM Punk? Like hearing him, you know, we, we, I mean, we were doing the show when he first left WWE and then when he came to AEW, now that he's leaving, you know, potentially leaving AEW and you hear all the backs backstage stuff. I mean, do you, does that change your perspective on anything he has done? Um, as far as like his accomplishments, I don't think anything changes in that regard because, whether you like him or not, you know, that moment, 2011 Money in the Bank, will still always be special. That doesn't go away. The pipe bomb is still a legendary promo. That doesn't change. I think what changes, and, and Aaron alluded to this, is that 
because of our disenchantment with WWE, we probably looked at it as this is all WWE. Punk is 100% the victim. He did nothing wrong here, and they screwed him. And partially because they've done this to so many other people. It's not like this was just formed because of Punk. It's because what we've seen them do to Pac, what we've seen them do to Mustafa Ali. I mean, there is a all-star list of people that they have treated pretty crappy. And you're kind of like, all right, so Punk is just another one. I will say one of the things I read, though, is that and not that Triple H is not a politicker, and I'm sure this came out exactly at a time perfectly, but he said whenever Sam Punk had a problem, he always heard about it third person. Punk was not the guy who was going to come to him face to face and say, I got an issue with this. And yeah, initially, I kind of wrote off as ah, that's just Triple H being Triple H. But then you see what happened with kind of the gripe bomb, and you're like, this is exactly Punk's MO, right? He won't say it to your face. He, When he has an issue with Hangman, he doesn't say it to Hangman's face. He says it two months later. When he has an issue with the Bucks, he says it as a press conference. He doesn't say it to them backstage. Um, you know, quite frankly, he's always called the microphone a pipe bomb. Well, this time he forgot to let go. And he took himself down and it blew up in his face. Um, a, a couple of shows ago, I don't know how long it was, I compared um, Velveteen Dream to Josh Gordon. You know, elite talent who couldn't get out of his own way could have been special. CM Punk is the Antonio Brown of wrestling. The man has unbelievable in-ring talent, but he is an absolute nut job outside of it like his press conference after all out was unhinged like there was no excuse for that kind of behavior it was completely unprofessional and he has burned bridges everywhere he's gone and you know and alluded to it if i was running an efet i'm absolutely sending cm punk if i'm involving real life human beings with emotions and there's got to be a dynamic no you know i hate to say it he acts like he's hollywood hulk hogan and hogan could get away with that because hogan drew big numbers but at a certain point hogan stopped becoming being worth it Punk does draw numbers. I'm not going to lie and pretend like the guy is not a name. But I have to admit, I've enjoyed AEW now that his cancerous presence is gone. I don't know that anybody in particular benefited from working with Punk other than maybe MJF. Whereas if you look at Brian Danielson, who came in about a similar time, there are multiple people who seem like they have elevated their status and gotten over more and have had some good matches. Whereas, let's be real, Punk just got Punk over. I mean, Darby Allen is not better off for having worked with Punk. I would not say that uh, Eddie Kingston was better off for having worked with Punk. Hangman certainly wasn't better for working off with Punk. Moxie wasn't better. I mean, and then on top of that, then you throw in the backstage issues. Then you throw in his unbelievably ridiculous press conference where he just sounded like a lunatic and made Tony Khan look like a child. And the fact that he can't stay healthy, too. I mean, that's the other real problem. The dude gets hurt every time he touches a championship, whether it's his foot or it's tricep. And, you know, kind of like uh, it was Karen Cross when Adam Coleman, that promo I've referenced many times, Moxley skewered Punk. Fragile mind, fragile body, fragile ego. That is CM Punk in a nutshell. And everywhere he has gone, whether it's Ring of Honor and he's burned bridges there, whether it's WWE and he's burned bridges there, the amount of people who are former CM Punk friends, from what I've heard, and I don't know Punk, I don't know all these people, is massive. And I have to say, Aaron said this to me years ago when we worked together. CM Punk is a great wrestler, but he is not a good guy. And a lot of people do not have good things to say about CM Punk. The amount of people who are in Punk's corner is very small, and maybe he's got a trust circle of friends, but the amount of people who have bad things to say about him or, you know, I think AJ Styles and him had a falling out, for example, because Punk didn't tell him he was going to TNA. And it's like, and that was it. And then the bridge is burned and he's never going to speak to you again. Punk is a child. And in many ways, he he can't let the slightest of slights go. He, he went nuclear over... Um, Page calling him out for the work. I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought it was part of the storyline. It's just not worth it. And I don't think Punk's ever going to change. I think Punk is who he is. And I said it last time. I just don't think he's worth all of this trouble. His legacy is, look, if we were inducting him into a Hall of Fame, I think he'd be 4-4. He is a Hall of Fame talent. 
But much like I said with Antonio Brown, there's no longer a place for you in wrestling. I don't think there's a place for Antonio Brown in the NFL. No, he doesn't have like the, you know, off the field accusations that Brown does. But as far as their inability to work well with teammates and just unpredictable behavior, it's like you did it to yourself. Like in in two, three years, I absolutely can't wait to watch the self-destruction of CM Punk because it'll be a fascinating story. Uh, Doug, I want to ask you, because uh, I was just thinking about it. Um, obviously, you got to see um, the aftermath of the pipe bomb. You got to see his final mm-hmm. match. <laughs> uh, which one is more memorable to you? Is it the, the final match because of the presser and what happened after, which we listened to on our way back? Or is it the, the five-star Money in the Bank match? I think it's, gotta st- it's still going to be the Money in the Bank match. It's... Uh, I mean, that was just... You got to enjoy the the lead up to it, and then you get to enjoy the the aftermath of it. Whereas the, the we didn't know that this was going to be his last match, um, and you know, is it a cool thing to be able to say, yeah, I got to see CM Punk's last match? Sure, but it wasn't like it was what we wanted. We didn't want it to be his last match, so uh, the. The pipe bomb match is definitely going to always be the uh, the better of those two. Um, I mean, it's going to still be hard to beat that in any other match. But uh, again, he just he can't get out of his own way, like uh, Roger said. And it just I'm OK with it. I was OK if we if he never came back and wrestled. Um, I hate to say that now. I think, uh, you know, it is probably hypocritical because you probably did hear us multiple times saying, Oh yeah, CM Punk's going to come back. We're all excited. And I think he came back with the true good intention, but then it just, one of those things that it got to his head where, Oh, you know, well, you know, I'm the the best one here. You know that, right. And I think that the title of best in the world, it's like, you know, that's just a, you know, a gimmick thing. There's, there's a lot of other people that are way better than you are right now. Nope. I'm the best in the world. Look, look, Tony Khan's right here. I got him on speed dial. Yeah, so so does a lot of people, but to him, it just I think it went to his head, and he just he just couldn't let go of things that, I mean, big deal. Get over it. Prove there that you're the best in the world. That he was trying to change the way that a lot of AW operate as far as like match style, and that he wanted. Um, one of my favorite stories is that apparently he was mad at people like Hangman because they weren't coming to him for advice. Mm-hmm. ironic since I believe CM Punk himself got into trouble because he wouldn't go to Undertaker and treat him like a locker room leader. I'm like, you, you literally, there was a promo in which he cut against John Cena and said, you claim to be the underdog. And yet instead of being the Boston Red Sox, you've become the thing you hate the most in the New York Yankees. And 10 years later, CM Punk has become the <laughs> thing he very much hated himself. You are the not part-timer, but you don't wrestle a full-time schedule. You come mm-hmm. in, take the main event slots from the guys who've been here the entire time. You're jackass backstage and you're the old man yelling get a cloud telling the young guys not how to do it when in reality you were that same young guy being told not how to do it and it's like <laughs> i don't know man you are the, is cm punk 10 years ago would hate cm punk right now to be quite honest those two mm-hmm. people heads may be fighting with one another and yeah i mean his legacy is is complicated not new jack complicated but it's like gosh this guy is you always wonder what would happen if cm punk would just shut up like if you could just mute, if you could just take a remote and mute CM Punk when he's not on screen, his career is probably much, much better because mm-hmm. he's immense talent. He is a five-star talker and probably a four-star wrestler.
but he, he what's the old saying million dollar body with a 10 cent brain that's probably mm. nine cents more than punk's brain is worth yeah i mean like it's kind of crazy i got to see him return in august of 2021 and then doug and i got to see him leave in september 2022 he lasted just over a year in aew and that's just absolutely crazy to me so any any final thoughts on the legacy of cm punk no uh you know i'll, I'll still think he's one of my he's still up there in, in wrestling uh like memories but uh you know that's all i really can say i, I still there's like there's two things that doug has seen and w- that i wish i would have been at one of them was when aj styles returned but the money in the bank match that was that's the one i was like man like looking back i'm like ah, that would have been kind of cool to go to so I'm, I'm just glad that he was able to see it in person too you still got the the chair doug Mm-hmm. And got the chair and everything. It was, it was a great time. Excellent. That was that was a last second thing too. That was uh, right around my birthday and right after the pop uh, pipe bomb on that Monday night. I was like, I wonder if they've got tickets left. And I looked it up on Ticketmaster, and they didn't have anything that was really close or anything like that. So I just randomly called up Ticketmaster and be like, Hey, I know you guys, you know keep some on the back burner every once in a while. Can you just help me out? I just need one ticket. And she's like, is third row. Okay. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. It's absolutely. Okay. Sign me up. And then it didn't even turn out to be third row because the first two rows were, uh, not in front of me. Cause I had the timekeeper right in front of me. So it was technically front row. Uh, one question before you all go, and this can be a very quick answer. What are the chances that Triple H calls CM Punk and says, hey, let's see if we can do business. I, I could see him showing up at a Royal Rumble kind of thing. Just a one-off, just a comeback. Never expected it. You show up, you get tossed out in 0.5 seconds. I don't think CM Punk would ever do that, but I think Triple H would definitely want that. I actually think it's fairly high. I, I think it'd be higher with Vince, in my opinion, because Vince really did not care. You could slander him. You could call him a whore. Like, you could do whatever you wanted. And Vince would be like, oh, can we make money together? Yeah, let's do it. In fairness, calling I, Vince a whore would have been a compliment. I mean, that, that is I was going to say, uh, you know. Call his mom one. I that's the truth. Say, but, like, um, I could see Triple H seeing value for that nostalgia trip. Like, so Saudi Arabia, they are really big at in the old – uh, players, you know, I mean, that's why they asked for somebody like Yokozuna, you know, who unfortunately passed away and warrior and stuff. Right. They, and they, like they had a team Hogan versus team flair, you know, because they wanted to see older wrestlers. I mean, CM Punk was big 10 years ago, like really big. That's when he, you know, was at his height. So like, it's not that unfathomable that they might say like, Oh, there was a guy that, you know, looked like a dishwasher guy and a bus boy. Like, can we get him? You know, we'd like to see him. Where CM Punk pays him a, a whole crap ton of money to come back for that. And maybe they do some one-off appearances with him. Maybe he does a WrestleMania match, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Am I saying, like, would I put money on it? Probably not. Give, but give me a I percentage. Say, I'd say 50%. Wow, you said there's a 50% chance that Triple H calls CM Punk? Yeah, uh, because of the Saudi Arabia thing in particular. I think Saudi Arabia accounts for like 30% of that. Otherwise, I'd say like 20%, you know, for... Now, is that just a... Is that just 50% that he gets a call, not necessarily he comes back, but Triple H at least gives him an offer? Or is it 50% that he comes back? I'd say an offer, 50% for an offer. Okay. 
How much do you think it is for him to actually come back, though? I think Punk, he made a comment about Miz doing something with blood-covered things and for Saudi Arabia money, because it is blood money, you know I mean? Like, at the end of the day, it kind of is. Uh, so I think that Punk might... There's a lot of things about Punk. One of, one that I will say I admire is that he is very strong in his convictions. I don't think that he would take the Saudi Arabia money, in my opinion. I don't think that he would. Doug, what's your percentage? Uh, I think it's... For Triple H to call him, I would say it's about maybe... 10%, and I think there's a 1% chance that he actually shows up. Andy? I mean, there's so many other better chances of things happening, like of you could even get political and say, like, two parties give each other handshakes or decide, let's scissor. I think there's a better chance of that happening than CM Punk returning to the WWE. I really do believe that. I think you're saying that next presidential debate that they're going to have two people scissoring. We'll say say that Trump and Biden put up the two fingers and they decided Mm -hmm. to say scissor me, daddy, you know, hundreds of millions of people and millions of views on uh, YouTube. That's what I think that that's what I think a better chance of happening is than CM Punk actually coming back to WWE. I mean, so you're saying there's a chance. I like what about a Hall of Fame induction? I mean, there's that. There's possibility for that. I I I think uh, I think he's tainted right now. I think it would, it would have to be at least well, yeah, at least five years. Like Hogan's tainted, and he has at least fifteen years to go. But I don't know if he's going to live that long. I Hogan, they kind of suspended him for I think it was two years, three years. I want to say, uh, you know, Ric Flair. He had the thing that came out from Dark Side of the Ring about the uh, plane ride from hell. And at that point in time, he was kind of persona non grata. It's been about a year. And, you know, now it's like, oh, okay. You know, like you let the heat die down. CM Punk, you know, you let the heat die down and then maybe he comes back, you know? They suspended Hogan because of some comments that weren't particularly kosher at the time. Um, And then once those comments became more mainstream to without getting the, you know, I could. A lot of the people all of a sudden agreed with his comments. Um, that's when they were like, oh, you can come back. Um, uh, uh, no chance in hell. There's no chance in hell Hunter calls him. There's no chance in hell Punk accepts. Zero. I will happily down that hill if I'm wrong. Nope. You'll never see him in a WWE ring again. You will see a Hall of Fame induction potentially. I don't ever think you'll see him wrestle because the only thing Hunter would call him for is, hey, do you want to take a pedigree? And Punk would hang up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's all the time we have for this month's show if you're into the twitter you follow the show at authmark86 i want to thank 86 productions for hosting and editing the podcast and i want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show and for roger cave doug Hunt, and aaron hughes i am andrew hughes and until next time we'll see you in the ring 